welcome back to the UChicago Maroon. Today is May 22nd. Um, I'm Mickey Yang, your host today, and I'm with my team. I'm Greg. I'm Isaac. And I'm Rom. And first of all, allow me to share you some story about the UChicago Crime Lab. The University of Chicago Crime Lab, as a part of the Harris School of Public Policy, is premised upon a phase in data to address complexities of public safety and justice issues that the communities face. They start programs and propose policies upon their research results, aiming to inform the decisions of policymakers and city agents. However, some people believe that the crime lab is hurting those it purports to help despite all of these promises. In June 2020, Associate Professor of Sociology Robert Vargas at UChicago wrote an op-ed in the UChicago Maroon entitled, It's Time to Think Critically About the UChicago Crime Lab where he claimed that the crime lab's main issue is its strong focus on a person's behavior, which leads them to see black people and communities as needing to be fixed. Vargas also takes issues with the lab's lack of transparency since its operations were not open to public until after Lucy Parsons Labs, a San Francisco and Chicago-based organization that specializes in data rights, won a lawsuit in December 2020. Vargas and other critics see this problem as a part of a longer history in which the city of Chicago has misused data to advance agendas of policing. Vargas' criticism is also shared by a former Urban Labs employee writing under the name Troy Bolton, who had become increasingly distressed by the crime lab's dogmatic commitment to pro-policing research methods that are steeped in scientific racism. From the data crime lab chooses to use to the partners that allow them to access that data and the analytical methods they employ, the crime lab's decisions are deeply political, conservative, and committed to the status quo power dynamics of capitalism and white supremacy. Rosiana Ender, the founding executive director of the crime lab and the education lab, acknowledged concerns over the organization's relationship with Chicago Police Department, but argued that the lab can also be a force for good in Chicago's communities, and that the lab couldn't release certain information due to research privacy ethics and data security concerns. Well, I just finished reading Michelle Foucault's Discipline and Punish for my sociology class, which unpacks how knowledge and power are inseparable. Applying Foucault's logic to our present-day lives, what the scientists decide to research about and how they're going to research it are associated with the social mechanisms and power dynamics of our society. Data and research are biased in the first place, even if they are scientific. Thus, making the data more transparent to the city is not going to fully solve the problem because it is just one tiny step toward getting out of the systematic racism in the society at large. I think for all of us students, all we can learn from the issue of the crime lab is that instead of always using the scientificness of data to defend, we should constantly question and reevaluate how our data is formed in the first place and what drives us to obtain them. Next, we have some stories about the UChicago Mental Health Fund. That's right. So the undergraduate student government, or USG, recently announced the creation of the Mental Health Fund, which seeks to support student-led projects to improve students' mental health and well-being on campus. Campus and Student Life supported the fund by providing $10,000 for its initial funding cycle. The fund was open to project proposals from any current New Chicago student, including undergraduate, graduate, and professional students, until May 1st. Fourth-year Board of Trustees liaison David Liang pitched the idea to the Health and Wellness Committee. 
second year and vice president of campus and student life, Connor Lee, who was recently elected college council chair, then collaborated with the committee to put the plan into motion. Lee mentioned the fund was modeled after both MIT's Student Mental Health Fund and Chicago's existing Green Fund, both of which are student-led. Third year and Health Wellness Committee co-chair Swa Oh was informed at the beginning of the autumn quarter that the fund would be a major project this year, and she was excited to help build it. Oh has worked to hammer out the details of how proposals should be evaluated and how the fund should function. She mentioned that committee members researched different ways to qualitatively measure the impact of future projects and, based on the research, they found that using surveys and questionnaires would be the most effective way to measure the benefits of project proposals. Each proposal will be assessed by a group of undergraduates, graduate students, faculty, staff, and mental health experts. Lee and O encouraged those interested in proposing a project for the fund to visit Campus and Student Life's website for more information on submitting an application for future cycles. The full story is up on the Marines website and was first reported by Jeremy Lindenfeld. Well, I heard that a lot of people at our school, because of the academic rigor, and many people believe in them, like, oh, you go to Chicago, so you're supposed to be, like, really strong, mentally strong at facing <laughs> all the challenges. So whenever they encounter trouble, some of them just do not go seek help, even if help is available for them. Yeah, so hopefully this fund, this investment can go to some right programs. And I believe there are many other ways to boost up students' energy and just make them feel better. So, Isaac, do you want to talk a little bit about the Summer Breeze? I do, yeah. So, Summer Breeze happened last weekend. We're recording this on May 22nd, so, you know, May 15th. It happened to be my first and last Summer Breeze, unfortunately, but I have to say it was quite the production. The Major Activities Board, or MAB, hosted three acts. Openers Dreamer Isaoma, Channel Trees, and Sway Lee as the headliner to cap off the evening. Uh, Major Activities Board hosts a series of events throughout the school year to bring this campus the much-needed entertainment and events that I believe we deserve. In the fall, Rico Nasty was MAB's headliner, but since I've come to the university, MAB has uh, hosted Amine, Becky G, Megan Thee Stallion, Phoebe Bridgers, and Jibuki Young-White, among many, many other talented acts. This was the first Summer Breeze performance on campus since my freshman year, as the past two years had been halted by COVID. The last headliner was Amine. So a little bit about my experience. I showed up midway through the openers to get a good spot in the pit for Sway Lee's show, and it really was a lot of fun. Sway Lee played a lot of his biggest songs when he was a member of Race Remmerd, uh, No Type, Come Getter, Black Beatles, This Could Be Us, Swang, and performed his hit Sunflower that he recorded with Post Malone. If you've watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, you definitely know the tune. But unfortunately, there was no mannequin challenge in the crowd during Black Beatles for this show. Would have been fun, though. Uh, anyways, I would be remiss to not mention the other side of being in the mosh pit at this concert. It got a little bit rowdy, uh, that might be euphemizing it, and, and people were certainly pushed around. I'm a pretty big guy, uh, and even, even I was knocked around pretty hard in the mosh pit, um, so I can only imagine what that might have been like for some slighter people. MAP's Twitter spoke on behalf of the complaints that they received regarding the concerning behavior and for the general admission in the pit, and they posted a forum on their socials to solicit responses on how to make future shows more inclusive and safe for everyone attending. If you feel you'd like your voice to be heard, uh, certainly reach out to MAP through that forum that they've populated on their social medias and get your response heard. But personally, I had a lot of fun, and I'm sad this was my last MAP event as an undergrad, but I know they will continue to put on wonderful shows for the rest of our listeners.
I heard that the school spent $150,000 on getting Sway Lee. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, he's a pretty big act. They always do kind of break the bank, Mab does at least, for their summer show, or their summer breeze show. Um, I think they've had, like, some even bigger names in the past. Like, they had Eminem perform here once. Um, again, Megan Thee Stallion and Amina during my time. They might have had Fetty Wap during the fall of my freshman year. Like they've booked some pretty big names. Or Waka Flocka, my mistake. Uh, They've had Hannibal Burris as like a stand-up comedian. Um, The year before me was Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, They've had really, really big names perform for the student body. And for the cost of tuition at this university, I am very glad they're breaking the bank on one thing for our students' mental health. Summer Breeze is like a big place for for people to gather, so we definitely need to be aware of COVID transmissions. We have our COVID update from one. Yeah, so super duper quick COVID update. In a U Chicago 4 email sent to members of the student body and faculty in the university community last Friday on May 20th, there was reports of 287 new cases and 241 closed contacts. As of now, 16 people are currently on campus in isolation and 116 people are off campus isolation. And a couple of other quick updates. There are some year-end events convocation coming up. Isaac and I both know that. So. Yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> and the, while those events were on the horizon, it's important for everybody to keep wearing their masks, particularly when they're indoors and um, in close proximity with other people. Uh, and in addition to that, the CDC recently recommended the Pfizer booster vaccine for children aged 5 through 11. So if there are any children aged 5 through 11 that are listening to this podcast, (laughs) or if you are listening to this podcast and know any children in that age range, um, you should definitely look into booster shots um, for that sect of the populace. Children uh, in this particular age range are eligible for the booster shot at least five months after they finish their first round of shots. Yep, that's all from me on the COVID front. Senior week is next week. Don't be the reason that one of your classmates cannot walk because you give them COVID. I say this having had COVID two weeks ago. It sucks. Don't be that person. I'm very sorry for everyone that I might have indirectly exposed. I felt awful about it. Uh, Anyways. (laughs) Anyways, well, just a little note. The story I reported is written by Solana Aridokun. And another note, this is the last episode of our two amazing seniors, Ram and Isaac, so... (laughs) (laughs) We might put together a little special discussion next week, but this might be our last Maroon Weekly. Official. Yeah. Official episode this is our last one <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean um, you know we might come we back might come back i'm going to grad school here i'm not going anywhere i yeah. guess but as an undergrad this is our last episode and um i've really enjoyed my time as a an editor for the podcast branch of the chicago maroon it's given me a sense of community uh, i've met a lot of wonderful people with the chicago maroon over my four years and getting the opportunity to spearhead a rather nascent branch at its inception only five years ago uh, with some of our friends um, really, really made a difference for me. And uh, I'm so grateful to have that opportunity. So, um, yeah, I guess this is signing off for my last Maroon Weekly. <laughs> I'd say ditto for me. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not much for speeches. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but be on the lookout for a special reporter or something that Ram and I are going to put together next weekend. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So, again, I'm Mickey. I'm Greg. I'm Isaac. And I'm Ram. 
Thank you for listening and see you next week. Thank you.